there must be a form of sadness that is legitimate and right and proper, but also is measured in such a way that it is encompassed by the promises of the gospel. You know, if we were sitting down wondering what should be in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, we probably wouldn't put those chapters there. Welcome to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 25. This week we look at sadness as we begin to conclude our spring series on emotions. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. You're listening to a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you checking us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice, and every Monday a new episode will be waiting for you. While you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. What does scripture have to tell us about weeping and sadness? What is the use of the darker sections of scripture? Why does Christ weep for Lazarus? Is it okay for Christians just to grieve? And what does it mean that Jesus was a man of sorrows? All that and more on this week's episode. But before that, a couple weeks ago, I was at Together for the Gospel, a gathering of more than 10,000 fellow believers, and I got to meet a number of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening and for your gracious feedback. It's because of you that we continue to produce this podcast. We only have one more episode until our summer break, but be on the lookout for another series preview sometime in July or August. Until then, keep sending us your questions or suggestions, and you never know, your comment might be the one we use for our next series. Now, let's get to our show. We're back. We've talked about joy. We've talked about fear. We've talked about anger. We've talked about love. And now we're moving on to talk about sadness. When we look at sadness in the Bible, especially in the life of Christ, we see him weeping multiple times. We see him weep over Jerusalem. Uh, we see him weep over his friend Lazarus. What is it that we can learn from Jesus about sadness and weeping? Well, good afternoon to you too, Josh. Thanks good afternoon, Derek. Warm right, right, introduction right. and welcome. Straight out of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember reading a book, um, I believe published by the Banner of Truth, and, and I'm going back 25 years maybe, uh, called... Christians grieve too. Uh, T.W.O. Uh, Christians also grieve. Right. Uh, the fact that the book had to be written at all mm. uh, was telling. Uh, you know, because in one sense, of course, Christians grieve. Yeah. Uh, it's part of humanness to grieve. Grieve over the loss of a companion, a loved one. Uh, a, a, an animal, a, a, a wife, a parent, a child, a friend. Mm. Um, Christians uh, grieve, but there is a 
you know, a strand of spirituality that is perhaps Manichaean in its origin, uh, Platonic perhaps in its origin, um, that denies corporeality and denies aspects of our humanity, especially, especially those aspects that appear to signify frailty and weakness, mm. uh, that, that Christian maturity uh, should rise above things like grief and sadness. And, um, you know, we should sing, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. <laughs> right. I've got the joy, joy, joy. That's the one I was singing for. Yeah. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Down, down in, in my heart. heart. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I moved ever so slightly in that world, mm-hmm. um, 35, 40 years ago, maybe, uh, encountered it to some degree. Mm. You know, Christians who, who come up to you and say things like, cheer up, you know, because you're looking kind of glum. Uh, and, but instead of saying, you, you know, can I help you? Is there something that's making you feel sad? Because it's okay to be sad. Mm. No, there are sinful ways of being sad. Mm. There are sinful ways of grieving. Mm. Uh, it can sometimes represent uh, a denial of faith. Mm. Uh, a distrust in uh, God, a refusal. Uh, I mean, you must see it in counseling all the time. Mm-hmm. There are certain people who refuse to be helped because mm-hmm. that would mean they wouldn't have to come back. That's right. And the last thing they want is to end this relationship, which involves an ongoing sense of need and dependence, and it can become addictive. Yeah, actually, and I'm really helped out here by the CCEF writers who talk about three different roles that we fill as believers, saint, suffer, and uh, sinner. And that there are people for whom the role of sufferer really becomes their primary role, and they can't let go of it. Uh, it's the way that they get attention, and not just not just attention-seeking, um, but it's the way they relate to the Lord. It's the way that they relate to one another, and it's difficult to move people out of that. Uh, and I think we get surprised that someone would actually want to identify with the sufferer. You know, and and that's what preachers and counselors and and Christians generally have to think about when they read the Bible. You know, what where am I and what do I actually need at this point? You know, yeah. there are times there have been times in my life when I have needed the solace, say, of Job chapter 3 or Jeremiah chapter 20 or mm. Psalm 88, mm. all of them in in darkness. Mm. Uh, Psalm 88, uh, the Ezraite, uh, is it Haman, the Ezraite, who writes Psalm 88, and he ends the psalm by saying, darkness is my only friend. You know, yeah. it's pretty dark. Pretty dark. You know, there's dark and then there's that. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Job... Three and Jeremiah twenty is citing Job three, mm. um, where where Job curses the day that he was uh, born. Mm. Now I, I don't think I've ever been there mm. to be honest, and but I know people who have been there, and and you and I both uh, know sadly uh, that people have been there and and have gone further mm. and have taken their lives. Mm. So it, it, those passages are like safety vests. Yeah, you know I. 
I hope I never need them, but I'm glad they're there just in case I do need them. Mm. But it's astonishing to me that they're in the Bible at all. Yeah. You know, if we were sitting down wondering what should be in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, we probably wouldn't put those chapters there. Right. But moving away from those extreme uh, places, yeah. you know, that Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. Right. And we need to be careful here. There's something unique about the role that Jesus is performing as the mediator. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, uh, you know, there are no references to Jesus laughing mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Do we? What do we make of that? Well, mm-hmm. I think in part that's the seriousness of the role. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean to say that we, don't, that we never laugh. Or, right. Uh, because there's a therapy in laughter, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, being able to see the lighter side mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the text, the shortest text in the Bible. Mm. Um, mm. Jesus that, wept, John 11, 35. Mm. Um, that here he is at the grave of his friend, Lazarus, uh, with with Martha and Mary, and he's weeping. Mm. Does the text say like he knows that he's going to resurrect Lazarus? Well, no, the text doesn't say that. Mm. Uh, I I think the text goes on to indicate that he does. Now, you're you're goading me here uh, into you know that's that's difficult to know what's going on in the human mind. Of Jesus at any one point, and what, at what point does it become part of his redemptive plan mm. in his human mind mm. to resurrect Lazarus? And uh, I'm not sure that I have an answer to that. Mm. But I think at the point where he weeps, you know, one can pull back a little and say he weeps at what sin has done. Mm. Uh, he he weeps at the sense of tragedy that has come into the world because of Mary and Martha. But I I would go much further than that. And I would say at that point in his human mind, all that he is aware of is that a friend of his has died. Mm. And death is a terrible thing. It's an awful thing, mm. uh, even for Christians. And, and yes, we temper all of that with a knowledge that for a believer our souls go immediately into the presence of Christ and that we will see them again right. and so on. But sorrow uh, and sadness, you know, from a counseling point of view, biblical mm. counseling point of view, mm. you know, is there a... You know, I hate to use the word balance, but I mean, is there is there a sense in which there is a a wholeness to our being that needs more than just sorrow? It, it needs hmm. joy. It, it needs contentment. It needs um, forward looking as well as backward looking. Hmm. It, it needs vision as well as resignation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. I mean, I, I think I mean, balance is, is a good word, if not overused, I think, especially in counseling circles. 
there are seasons that we go through where it is difficult for us to have outward focus or to find joy and contentment. I mean, you tell a parent who's just lost a child that what they need in their life at that moment is joy. Um, and I think that's incredibly difficult. Instead, I think that's where something like Romans 12, 15, weep with those who weep comes into play, that it's, it's okay to weep. Or, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, um, and I'm losing the verse where it is to grieve with hope, that it's okay to grieve. It's, it's the hope piece. And people often assume that what that means is, is that you're supposed to somehow have this smile on your face while you are grieving. And I don't think that's true at all. You can genuinely grieve. You can genuinely weep just as Christ wept for Lazarus. And yet what is the anchor is the hope that, that they are in Christ, that they have the gospel in them, that they are with the Lord. Um, and if they're not appointing to you of your own frailty and that your own frailty and that you are in the Lord and you have a hope that's greater than this world, that that is the, the shadow over that grief. But man, there are days when you're doing good just to get out of bed and put one foot in front of the other in, in seasons. There's an extraordinary testimony in the fourth servant song uh, in Isaiah 53, where in one verse it says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And in the next verse, it goes on to say that he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Mm. You know, we need to open that up a little bit. I mean, first of all, that Jesus in the incarnation was fully human, was fully man, a human body, a human mind, human affections, uh, a human psychology uh, with all of the limitations that that affords. And it says to us that uh, Jesus was privy to and and succumbed to um, all of the truly human characteristics apart from sinful characteristics. Right. Um, so the fact that Jesus weeps is not in itself sinful. You know, that redeems our, mm. our, our weeping. Yeah. Um, he, he wept. Yeah. So a parent shouldn't feel guilty for weeping over the loss of a child, or or a husband feel weeping over the loss of. Well, no, certainly not. But I would I would put it the other way around, you know, that not to weep in the face of death, and and people weep in different ways. Yeah, sure. But but not to feel that sadness is to put oneself above or in a different category to Jesus. And that's never mm. safe. Mm. All right. Mm. Now, there are sinful ways of weeping. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I encountered Middle Eastern forms of weeping that was uncontrolled mania. Ah. Uh, and some of that is 
learned and some of that is sociological right. uh, and so on and 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 but it was so outside of my uh, experience uh, that it was almost terrifying in mm. its um, there seemed to be no element in it that was other than complete and utter despair mm. uh, as though it contained no gospel and there must be a form of sadness that is legitimate and right and proper, but also is measured in such a way that it is encompassed by the promises of the gospel mm. and, and doesn't escape into something that's just sheer despair. I don't think that it's, you know, even on the cross when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you describe that as utter despair? Mm. You know, is he saying at that uh, is he saying at that point he had lost faith? Mm. Well, I don't think you can go there. Um, so uh, the the problem for us is as as redeemed Christians is what, at what point is this an expression that is human? Yeah, uh, and at what at what point is it s sinful? Mm. Mm. And I'm not sure that there's an easy answer. Right. And I would be suspicious of easy answers. Yeah. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A podcast or by phone 803-281-1795 803-281-1795 for dr thomas i'm josh squires we look forward to seeing you next week until then thanks for listening and god bless